Hey, shut up and sit down, you big ball fuck. Gentlemen, welcome to the Film Fine Podcast, the greatest movie podcast ever, assuming you've never heard a movie podcast before. Coming to you live on tape from the new, from the new layer, the new layer here, the new Portress Fortress, as it were. Uh, I we, we moved and uh, we're unpacking and stuff, So, uh, but hopefully you'll be getting a Film Fine podcast more, re- uh, more regularly, and hopefully we're going to get some video stuff up and, and whatnot soon, but uh, so stoked to be back and have my own little kind of office area here so I can uh, uh, bring you fine folks some uh, great movie reviews. And I would do that with no other person than my co-host who is here right now, Matt Smith. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing today? Very, very good. I just got good. back from seeing our main review today. Uh, I usually watch it a little bit earlier, but I just got back from seeing it, and uh, I haven't even had a full chance to truly process this thing yet, but uh, very excited about today's review. We're going to be uh, reviewing The Conjuring, and uh, I believe Matt has had, has watched a boatload of films, and we'll be talking about a couple of those during uh, our What You've Been Watching segment, and... Um, but yeah, very very stoked about uh, about this episode. So I I don't know about you, but I'm 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 brimming with excitement. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, gearing up to talk about uh, specifically our main review, The Conjuring, uh, pretty much all weekend. So should be a pretty good I, chat. I am very very excited about this. All right, everybody. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a little break here. We're gonna come back. We're gonna do a little what you've been watching. I think we may delve into a little bit of uh, movie news just because a couple of things have happened and whatnot. So we'll talk about some of that. And then we're going to jump into our big review of uh, the new film by James Wan, The Conjuring. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. We will be right back. Everybody, welcome back. We're going to get into a little bit of what you've been watching recently. I will start off because I, like I said, we've been, we've still been moving, and uh, we've at least got everything into the place now. Now it's all time to unpack it. So I still haven't had a whole hell of a lot of chance to watch many things, but uh, I did sneak in a little movie just the other day. Um, uh, what other ways are says? There are bad movies out there, and then there's Sharknado. Um, 
Sharknado, for those of you who are, have been living under a rock, is a uh, is a movie that came on Sci-Fi. I guess what, probably about a week ago now, and um, it's 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 from the it's from the people at the asylum. So, and but uh, I, I got to say, Sharknado is bad even for an asylum film. And they, if you've seen an asylum film, you know that that's saying something. Um, all you need to know is Ian Ziering and Tara Reid, and that's about it. It's it's pretty awful. The CG is awful. Like I said, again, even for asylum standards, these these are terrible. The story is awful. Uh, the production value couldn't get much lower. I know that this thing was shot in like eighteen days for a ridiculously low amount of money. It, they said they. <laughs> It was funny because I was listening to a an interview with like the director and stuff, and they were just like, "They said this couldn't be done," and I was just like, mm, "Probably shouldn't have been because it was <laughs> fucking terrible." Uh, they're like, "Oh, there's no way that you can cram in all of this shooting and like these big special effects and all this stuff, and you can't. You there's no way you can do it all all in 18 days." And and I'm like, "Well, you can't do it all and have it actually look good and be interesting at all." Uh, uh, did you get to see a bit of Sharknado there, man? I watched the first little bit, um, which was absurd enough, uh, and then I saw the last little bit where Ian Ziering uh, fucking torpedoes himself into the shark and then cuts his way out of it. With a chainsaw, uh, no less. With a chainsaw. Um, but no, I did not watch all of it because uh, I... Look, Have self-dignity. I am of the mantra that I will watch anything like i and i have i have watched it i just rewatched actually like the 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 theatrical cut of alexander which i fucking hated the first time i saw it um but you know i will watch whatever uh i will not watch whatever that comes on sci-fi channel i will not do that um but but they're usually such classy pieces of material no, and I'm pissed off because like because because I I DVR'd it a couple days ago, and I was and they had promos for the for their feature that was coming on the night that I recorded Sharknado called uh, uh, Vegas Bomb or something. It's got Frankie Muniz in it, so I don't know that I need to tell you much more than that. I would watch that one. It looked uh, completely awful, and I was just I was pissed off that I was like, ah, shit, and I was searching for it, and I'm like, I can't find it. It doesn't look like they're playing it again, but. Uh, yeah, Sharknado was one of the. I'm just glad that Tara Reid wasn't a fucking scientist or something. Can I? Can I? So, I think all that really needs to be said about it is terrible, and it was made terrible on purpose, um, and feeds off of this like fucking thing that drives me insane currently, which is like this knowing. Uh, like insistence of the audience that like, no, we know what we're watching is bad, but it's like hipster movie watching. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely um, see that. Um, like, you know, like there are things that legitimately work in such a milieu, right? Like midnight screenings of the room. Great. Right. Go to one. It's fucking great. It, it's made for that. Honestly, like fucking amazing. But that's just the thing that Tommy Wiseau did not think that that was going to be hilarious right. comedy, despite whatever he, his, whatever revisionist history he tries to pull nowadays. Right, and and there's this. It, as much as I fucking love him, it's a lot of the fault of the MST3K guys. It really is, um, like inadvertently, right? Like what they do is is vital and and hilarious, and I respect it. 
but there is now this thing where like anything can be enjoyed ironically. Um, even if it's like, like from what I saw of Sharknado, it was worse than most of the movies MST3K ever fucking, uh, well, like went up against. Is that, and, you know, they, they do get like those movies, they, they went out with those specific purpose to make a, a good movie. Now, while, you know, you can argue that they horribly failed at that while, you know, those MST3K movies, this movie, it seems that they like, you know, I forget what it was originally called, but then they decided on calling it Sharknado, and like it's they they went in with the idea of this is going to be crap, and yeah. the big problem is that they have with that idea is that all the MST3K guys are brilliant at what they do. You right. are not as even if you like, I consider myself I like I, I do stand up comedy as you know as for fun and no profit. Um, but uh, so I consider myself to be a fairly, you know, humorous person, but even this, you know, even at my funniest, I don't do, you know, what those guys can do. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And and certainly somebody who is has zero comedy experience is probably absolutely terrible at that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know what sort of value it has for those people <laughs> sitting at home. I mean, I guess they're like, well, aren't we a well, clever you know, bunch? So, so this was a thing, right? Like another, the, the other fascinating thing for me, um, as far as it just being a media event goes, uh, like about Sharknado is, um, like it was the first thing in a while that I can remember being a legitimate, like social media phenomenon, right? Like people were constantly tweeting about it. There were fucking updates all throughout the day about it on Facebook. Like, it was a thing that people were really into talking about online more than they were into the actual movie. Well, that's that's just it. I mean, the numbers came back, and the, the it didn't bear out at all. I mean, no one watched this fucking thing. No, of course no especially, one watched it. They, especially they in comparison to, to how many people talked about it. Yeah, they listened to what, like, Pat Oswalt was tweeting online and fucking retweeted, and it became this massive, uh, like, bullshit tornado in and of itself. Um but other than that, it did nothing, you know, and it's 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 interesting in that respect. Like more more people actually know of the movie via those those means than ever considered actually watching it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's sci-fi, man. It, it's sci-fi, but like you know, it's honestly some so, so much of it is like you really look at it and it's like you guys weren't even trying because like there's there's this whole storm coming. And, like, you talk about just inconsistency with shots where it's just like, okay, sunny in the background, cloudy in the background, bright in the background, dark in the background. And, you know, you can't talk about this big giant, you know, event that's coming and then do a super wide establishing helicopter shot where, oh, it's fairly bright and sunny out. Yeah. Or they do the old school fucking, uh, you know, day for night sort of thing. I mean, it's uh, it's bad. It's just, but like, it's again, it's, it's like one of those things that where you, it doesn't even seem like they were legitimately trying to make a good film. Like even no, remotely. Not, not on any level. Not on any level. I do still want to see Atlantic Rim though. I don't. <laughs> now I will say this. Now this is, this is a horrible one. Now every now and then my brother will give me like, uh, just a plethora of Blu-rays and he'll, he'll give me these DVDs and, um, I guess he gets them on. Uh, he's got to get them on sale or something. 
And uh, but he gave me like a three pack last year of like Mega Piranha, which is terrible. But that that's a that that's a fun terrible to watch, at least for me, because it was just it was so bad. It was fun, but um, and you know, Shockwave ninety point whatever the fuck it was, and um, but one that he <laughs> he let me borrow recently. Was I think it was like called Zombie Apocalypse or something? It had uh, Danny Trejo as the you know main star of it. It was yeah. um, it was it was terrible. But there's one moment in it. I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast before, but there's one moment in it that's almost worth the entire film because it's it's about a zombie apocalypse. And at some point in the film, they're like on like a everything's like you know packed up on a bridge or whatever. And this woman is, this pregnant woman, all of a sudden is just like, she got bit by a zombie. And so she starts to turn, and then, so they end up killing her. But she's pregnant, and then, uh oh, so we got to do something about this baby. So this woman's clearly very, very pregnant. And out of nowhere, um, <laughs> Muriel Hemingway pulls out a fucking switchblade, cuts the woman's <laughs> stomach open, out pops the baby. The little baby quickly turns into a zombie, and then they, like, stomp the baby to death. It was so fucking over the top that I was just like, oh, my God, it almost, like, warrants this entire movie for this one scene where out of nowhere she decides to MacGyver a baby out of a preg- out of a dead zombie woman's belly. And then they so, so quickly kill this baby. It was It was fantastic. I was like, wow, why can't the rest of this movie be like this? Um, but, uh, you know, you got Ethan Supley in that, and there's, like, LeVar Burton. And like, some, you know, names that you recognize. Right. But it's it was still pretty awful. But not nearly as bad as Sharknado. So, uh, you know, if sci-fi plays Sharknado again, you know, viewer beware. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, Matt, let's get into what you've been watching this week. Uh, okay, so I went on a huge fucking watching binge uh, this week, and... Uh, rather than like give a detailed list, I just chose a few things. Um, uh, so, so I finally got around to watching on Blu-ray, no less, the Brian Singer uh, film Jack the Giant Slayer. Ooh, did the high definition help your uh, viewing of this film? Uh, Seeing the extra details, that, I will say that it looked good. Um, this is another one of those movies, though, that uh, it just has tone issues. Um, it's not nearly, it's not as bad. It's not as big a disaster as something like The Lone Ranger, like we talked about last week. But it is problematic for a few other reasons. So it's not like it's on the level of The Lone Ranger, like we talked about last week. Um, but it it is like another Another major issue of is this a kid's film? Is it an action adventure film? Is it a comedy? Is it not? Um, it's one of those insane studio pictures where they're just like, yeah, let's, uh, let's throw as much shit as we can at the screen and see what sticks. And maybe that'll be it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, Jack the Giant Slayer, uh, not terrible. Uh, can't really recommend it. I red box, so you know, whatever. Um, the, the other thing does it that, bolster your uh, faith in uh, Brian Singer's new X Men film? 
Um, I will say, like, I will say that it's not poorly made. You know what I mean? Like, okay. like it's well directed. The action scenes are coherent, and they're it's mildly enjoyable on that level. But I can't really sit here and go like Brian Singer one hundred percent knows what he's doing in Jack the Giant Slayer. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he can. Like, if he can get his shit together to make action sequences that are interesting, like he did in this film, and like he somehow inexplicably managed to, in my opinion, in Valkyrie, even though the rest of that movie was just whatever, um, I think he'll be just fine returning to X-Men. Because that's really what, like, all you need for X-Men is somebody who knows what in the hell they're doing a little bit. Um, The problem with X3... Uh, and honestly, the majority of Wolverine Origins is you had directors who didn't know what they were doing, uh, even a little bit. Yeah. So, so I I think he's still there. I think he was crushed by studio pressures to make a family picture when maybe that wasn't what he wanted to do. I mean, it went um, from Jack the Giant Killer to Slayer. So, I mean, I yeah, exactly. Um, and and you can see definitely in the film that there are like elements that could have and probably were originally much darker in tone. Hmm. Um, so enough about that. The other things uh, I wanted to talk about, I saw two new releases this week, um, uh, aside from The Conjuring. Uh, I saw R.I.P.D., which stars uh, Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on last week's show. And it's been getting dumped on by the majority of critics. Um, and possibly rightfully so, but I personally was not nearly as offended by it to give it an overall negative review. Um, it's derivative. I can't blame the movie for being derivative because it's based on a comic book that's derivative Mm -hmm. of men in black, um, which was also a comic book, right? Um, I will say that Jeff Bridges gives what might be the weirdest performance of his career, that's really because um, he he sounds like uh, old uh, Cogburn with. The, the, well, is he just doing that voice again? Uh, it's a variation on that voice. It's a little different, um, but it's also what makes it weird is uh, like he's this old west badass character, right? Like, like imagine if Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black were a little goofier. <laughs> and also had to go around in the real world saying things that made no sense unless you kept in mind that to other people, he was this really smoking hot blonde chick. And that's <laughs> kind of what it is. Weird. It's, it's still one of those. I like, I, I I'm kind of mad. I didn't get around to seeing it, but uh, you know, so you mild recommendation or enough of a recommendation. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll actually say like, it's, I think this is a solid three star movie. Uh, out of five. Um, I enjoyed it. It's better than either of the Men in Black sequels. So if you liked Men in Black uh, and you enjoyed the sequels inexplicably, uh, you'll probably enjoy this. Um, I liked the first Men in Black enough. And uh, Jeff Bridges is playing such an oddball uh, caricature that I think if you're also, like, if you're a Jeff Bridges fan, I'd say, you know, check this out at some point. Not necessarily in the theater, but uh, I think he's doing some really weird stuff in this movie. 
I, he's been doing a lot of interesting things lately altogether. But uh, yeah, I think I think his old age is like getting him to the point where he's like, yeah, not only can I be in these really big movies, right? These tentpole pictures, uh, R.I.P.D. Big flop, by the way. Um, but not only can I be in these big tentpole movies, but also I can do really weird performances in these tentpole movies. And, and, no and I mean, say like, shit. Yeah, well, I, and I mean weird in a way that like. Tim Burton wishes he could get Johnny Depp to be like, <laughs> like I, like I really do think that like, like Jeff Bridges is really venturing out into some strange, bizarro world territory, uh, in this picture. Um, and I kind of dug it. Hmm. Um, so the other thing that I saw this weekend, uh, it's in very limited release, but if uh, you ever get a chance to go see it, I highly recommend it. It's an Australian, uh, flick a horror comedy called 100 Bloody Acres. Um, have you have you heard about this? Uh, I think I've vaguely heard the name, but I don't know anything about it. It's, you know, it'll probably uh, end up up your way with the uh, Back Alley film series. It's totally something that is, uh, like, right up there, you know, uh, no pun intended, alley. <laughs> um, and I, I really do hope that they, that they get it for you guys up there in Charlotte. But, um, you know, like, it... Uh, it has um it stars uh Damon Harriman, who fans of FX is Justified will know as Dewey Crow. Um and Angus Sampson, who's an Australian actor. I mean, it's an Australian film, they're all fucking Australian actors. But Angus Sampson was the big uh the big uh paranormal investigator in Insidious. That's probably what a lot of Americans have seen him in. Um, you know, at the end there's like the little skinny guy and then there's the big massive dude. He's the big dude. Um, basically this movie is about, um, uh, these two guys, they play brothers, they run an organic fertilizer business in, uh, like bumfuck Australia. And, Isn't that just uh, called Australia? Sorry, Australian listeners. I know we got like two. I know there's been um, like a couple of listeners from Australia. Well, just, you know. well, in any case, so like, so like they, they've got this organic, uh, uh, damn it. Lost my lost my train of thought, but it's a it's, yeah it's a it's fertilizer and um, basically the the idea is that they go around uh, collecting all the all of the dead animal carcasses off of the highways in their county and that saves the county money. Somebody gives a shit that they're doing it and they like they make it into their fertilizer blend, right? So that it's 100% natural, yet it's using, like, animal products and stuff like that. Um, and there was an accident a while back, a big, like, six-person uh, killed in a car crash kind of thing that the people went missing from. They never found the bodies. It turns out these guys uh, put it in their fertilizer, and it was, like, the best fertilizer they'd ever fucking made. <laughs> and uh, they get the brilliant idea that... Um, since there aren't that many car crash victims in this remote stretch of uh, Australia, that they're going to uh, kill the next people they use, uh, and it's it's a really Makes funny uh, it's a really funny comedy um, that's also pretty gory, uh, but in a in an inventive way I think like it's very funny with its gore in a way that uh, the Evil Dead uh, trilogy is the original films. Um, and you know it's it's got that very like tongue in cheek backwoods humor to it as well as uh just a, an amazing soundtrack of uh like 60s era 
Australian folk rock tunes um, that, that, like, punctuate these very disgusting, disturbing moments with, like, moments of levity because they're singing about fucking kookaburras and shit. Um, (laughs) So anyway, uh, yeah, like, A Hundred Bloody Acres is a fantastic um, movie. It was uh, written and directed by a pair of brothers, the Cairns brothers, I think. Hold on, let me... Let me just verify so I don't fuck this up, because in case uh, I tweet about this and they do listen. Uh, yeah, C- Cameron and Colin Cairns, uh, the pair of brothers out of Australia, uh, directed this flick. The The rest of the cast is also pretty great. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's a dark and twisted little Aussie horror flick um, that is also very funny. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Everybody's great. Um I, I think I really I really want to take people back to the plaza here in Atlanta later this week and watch it again so that they like I can get the gospel out there on this film. Cool. So uh, Hundred Bloody Acres, uh, if you know, you should definitely like try to get the back alley guys in on it because I think this is totally something that the back alley people would go out on a limb for. Um, cool. I think a couple of them do listen to the show. So. And and it and it's distributed by like it has distribution in the U.S. Uh, from Music Box Films out of Chicago. So it's which is you know a well known uh, indie upstart. You know the Music Box Theater sort of like how Alamo got into distribution. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I've been watching. Um, uh, big old thumbs down on Jack the Giant Slayer. <laughs> And then uh, a mild recommendation for RAPD and a big enthusiastic, uh, like, jumping up and down, screaming like a little girl uh, recommendation for 100 Bloody Acres. Awesome. All right. With that, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back. I think we're going to do a little bit of movie news. Some uh, things have happened in the movie world, some good, some bad, and uh, we'll talk about those uh, when we come back. Stay tuned, everybody. Creeping down the back street on D's. I got my Glock cock because niggas won't ease. No sooner as I said it, seems I got sweated by some nigga with a tech nine trying to take mine. You want to make noise, make noise. I make a phone call, my niggas coming like the Gotti boys. Bodies being found. Don't bring leaf with the fucking heads cut off. Motherfucker, I'm Dre. So listen to the play by play, day by day. Rolling in my foot with 16 switches. And got sounds for the bitches. Cocking all the riches. Got the hollow points for the snitches. So won't you just walk on by? Cause I'm too hard to lift. And no, this ain't Aerosmith. It's the motherfucking DRE from the CPT. On a riding spree, a straight G. Hop back as I pop my top. You trip. I let the hollow points commence to pop, pop. Yeah, cause if it don't stop, I have to put my shit in reverse, go back and take another spot, cause I'm rolling in my six four. With all the niggas saying, Hell yeah. With all the niggas saying, All right, everybody, welcome back. We're going to jump into a little bit of movie news. We don't do this too often uh, on this particular show because we're leaving that for uh, Matt and the Film Fine News, which he's been doing a fine job of. Uh, but uh, and, and Matt, kind of tease what you've got coming up for us on the Film Fine News before we get into our little bit of news here. So in this week's Film Fine News, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of the stuff we're, we're mentioning today. But um, uh, I... 
you know, we, we always go over the box office numbers, and uh, I wanted to, on, on this week's Film Find News, we're going to talk a little bit about the actual box office. Um, I don't. I know that's not giving where they give you much, the ticket, but but no 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 <laughs> the, the numbers. We're going to talk about them and kind of uh, a little bit more in depth than I normally do. Like I'll run through the numbers and where everything winds up. But there have been a couple of interesting stories in uh, both the New York Times and USA Today this week about uh, how things aren't quite lining up how Hollywood thinks. No, they, they are not. <laughs> To say the so least. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that and uh, go over a little more of the Comic Con news um, than we are about to. But okay, what's our what's our number one? What's your number one thing on the docket here? So uh, I think first off today, what, what I what I kind of wanted to get into with you a little bit is this discussion that's been going on for a few days now, ever since it was announced online. Um, I mean, it was announced on Comic Con, but the discussion's been going on online. Uh, about the news that Batman and Superman are going to be in the same movie. Yeah, um, I, I guess the main the main question that's on everybody's mind. So Zack Snyder came out and just just like, hey everybody, yeah, I'm going to do another Superman film and it's going to be Superman Batman and like you know, uproarious. You know, everybody's stoked for that. I mean, everybody's wanted to see Superman and Batman in a film for uh, together for a long time. And uh, there was even a trailer, a, a teaser for it in, uh, well, it was a mock teaser in uh, uh, I Am Legend, a uh, little, you know, a David Goyer penned film as well, might add. Mm -hmm. But um, kind of like a little teaser there in the background. And, of course, you know, there's been a Superman, Batman comic. Is that still even going on? I know it went on uh, for at least a couple there's years. A, there's one that just launched, actually, that's really good. Okay, so um, a new one then. As part of the new 52. But the original one that started out as a... Ed McGinnis or something? Jeff Loeb Ed McGinnis vehicle, it, like they were on it for, I don't know, like 25 issues or something. I followed something. it for like a year. Um, yeah, like, you know, that, that series went on for quite a while, and it like ended up having some really good creative teams work on some of the later story arcs. But there's a new one out uh, that's pretty solid. The second issue comes out tomorrow, actually, so I'm really excited to see what they're actually going to do with it. But, yeah, so it's it's a thing still. I mean, and, it, and before that... That Loeb McGinnis series, you know, there was the world's finest, which was, which was Batman and Superman, and it right. was like a, a combo book that sometimes they would have just small individual stories, like one focusing on Superman, one focusing on Batman. Sometimes they team up, but the idea was like they were the two greatest superheroes, and they were kicking ass, taking names. Well, it it is an interesting thing, and especially how like you know they've been portrayed in the last well, actually for for a long time, but um, just basically the dynamic between the between those two guys, how you know Batman is the one guy that kind of Superman trusts to you know hold shit down if things go crazy. I mean, he's given Superman a you know a crypt or Superman has given Batman a kryptonite ring, so it's just like, hey, look, if shit goes down, you got to be the one that fucks me up, and I know that you could do it. Yeah. Out of, out of any, well, anybody else, I know I, that you have that moral barometer that, you know, is unscathed. And I think that that may be the direction that they're going in with this one. Because um, I think the official title, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, I'll have to look at my news notes in a little while. But uh, I believe it's officially now known as Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Or Superman versus Batman. I, I who knows? Because <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've heard I mean, both I, ways. I don't know. I, I think I, there I was done confirmation that it's in fact the Batman first, Superman second. Okay. Uh, but I'll, like I said, I'll check all of that. But um, 
Yeah, uh, they also introduced this idea by reading the excerpt from Dark Knight Returns. So it's the Miller stuff, right? Yeah. The Frank Miller arc where, uh, you know, Batman comes back and, uh, like, Superman has to stop him from killing everybody, basically. Like, he just becomes a big vigilante. And uh, Batman beats the ever-loving shit out of Superman and, uh, like, puts him in his place and tells basically tells Clark Kent to fuck off. Um, and uh, if that's the direction they're going, I mean, we're in for a ride. Uh, I hope it's a good one. Yeah. Um, I... I don't know how well it's going to go over there. Uh, like, I have no clue. Like, Bale, I think, has definitively said he's not coming back. Yeah, that's, what, the, that's what I was going to bring up. Is that, that's, that, that really is going to be your big, giant key point for this whole thing, is who yeah, the hell is going to be Batman? Batman so, yeah, exactly. Like, um, that may it, be the make or break for this film, I think. Yeah, well, and also the thing, the other thing that has me hesitant is... Regardless of the fact that he's now on board with the project, like he's he's the executive producer or whatever, uh, Nolan himself has gone on record, right? Like last year when he was doing all the Dark Knight Rises publicity, he went on record and said, uh, these two heroes do not exist in the same movie universe. Period. Apparently they do. Um, well, I, but you know, when you look at so he, many dollars in the face, <laughs> I think no, Warner Brothers just I goes, hey, that, look, but, fucker. But I have to, Ooh, I have to I wonder, I though, like... If that's the case, right? Like, if he if he didn't do it, and then he decided, like, no, there's a shit ton of money, and Warner wants to pay me this and that to oversee this project, is the integrity of his involvement still there, or is it not? And if it's not, does that mean that we can expect some more bullshit than we we were already getting? Well, let me ask you this then, as well. At the same time. Uh, okay, so is is he a producer? He's a producer on this Batman Superman dealie. He's signed right now as executive producer is his title, which also to me means that he's kind of hands off. Like executive producers, like big pie in the sky producer, like they're kind of overseeing shit, but they're yeah. not there day to day. They don't really have that much involvement. Come in to check, see if you weren't you know burning piles of cash. But you know, yeah, that and, kind if, of and if not, yeah. you know, it's like okay, good deal. Uh, just try to keep the farm alive, you know, kind of deal. But right. uh, I mean, if that's the case too, no, though. Let, let's think about it this way: if let's say they decide, like, like his statement holds true in that Batman is not part of this universe, and uh, we, and that's the reason why Bale isn't isn't Batman. No, I mean, kind of I think, like that's, an, I think that's how they'll be, right? Is like this this film will not be tied to the Dark Knight trilogy. I think that's the only way they're going to get there. Um, but since DC, up until this point, has, uh, or Warner Brothers more specifically, up until this point, has given up on the concept of doing big universe adaptations of their work. Right. Um, like, what's the point? Like, where where's the jumping-off point? Why do we care? Why in the hell aren't we getting, like, other individual movies before any sort of team-up shit from these two? Why isn't there, like, JLA stuff in the works? Do you think that they might want now? Because this is, what, 2015 that they got this thing yeah. scheduled for? Um, is this is this their lead-up to, to a JLA movie in some way, I wonder? I doubt it. 
Probably not. I mean, just, you know. I just, I, I just doubt it. Or if it. they I, just kind of go, look, like, we got enough fuel now that we can actually, you know, throw all this together and things make sense or, or you know, they I fight, fight some a, foe that's like. I think this is a byproduct big. of them, one, not knowing where to go with Superman next, as well as the fact that they know they're never going to get another Nolan Batman movie. So, so if that's the case. Let's throw both of them in the same fucking movie and try to get something out of it. Maybe we can bridge the Batman gap. I think Batman that's what gap. we're getting. Yeah, I think that's what we're getting. It's like maybe we can use this next Man of Steel Superman picture to launch a new articulation of the Batman universe um, without John, having to go back, which is an okay idea. Yeah, I was but just about to say, they don't have to not, reboot, so that's good. Right, but it's also so just this like, like, Jesus Christ, like, can we just fucking move on? From these two people, for one, like you, I know you tried to do Green Lantern, and honestly, that movie's not terrible. Like it's, everybody fucking says, it's it's bloated and it does too much, but it's not terrible. But the sequel could lend itself to be so good because the end with you know Sinestro and the Yellow Ring is just like, yes. oh god, now we're getting into the badass stuff, and you guys yeah. want to stop it now? Exactly. Ugh. Um, and you know, like they just need to keep trucking. I don't know why they haven't done a Wonder Woman movie. There was a Joss Whedon script years ago that was fucking amazing. Um, never got past the pre-production yeah. phase. I, like they just the don't. T- I don't, the I don't TV think pilot, anyone at Warner knows what the fuck to do. The TV pilot for the Wonder Woman series, while not very good, it was okay. It could have yeah. been a lot worse. And, it could have been a lot worse. But, like, there's something there you could see, and it was like, this could work if you do it right. Yeah. But, like, the, like the pilot needed some tweaking and stuff, but for the most part, I went away going, I'd give that a second shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, any, t- any type of TV show iteration of anything that you're interested in, like, you, if it's even moderately interesting for the pilot, give it three episodes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... Like, give it three episodes to kind of get its footing. And if it hasn't found its footing by that time, it's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I'm really wishy-washy on this whole Batman-Superman thing. Like, there's part of me that's, like, the fucking comic book kid that's like, yeah, hell yeah, finally, there's Batman-Superman movie. But there's also part of me that's just like, guys, we just ended this major, like, really good set of films with Batman – and we finally, after decades, got a good, a good Superman movie again. Let's not. You and know. this is where we're going with it. We're just doing this. Um, it seems a little trite for me, um, and not necessarily in a good way. And I will also say that if Nolan's not as involved as a producer, um, I don't know how it's going to go because, like, Snyder can go off the rails and be terrible, We've as seen we all that. know from Sucker Punch. Um, and Goyer can also write awful scripts. I mean, he can really write himself into a hole too, um, without somebody there prodding him constantly going, no, 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 no. Um, so, uh, the, the other big thing that I wanted to talk about was, uh, it's also comic book related. I mean, it's fucking comic con. I don't want to talk about, uh, like hunger games and shit, although that stuff was there. And I will uh, say you know, this real I look, quick. Though, I look hunger that, games and that, stuff, but that last hunger games trailer that I saw, it like it intrigued me a little bit, and it's like yeah. as as so so as I was with you know the Hunger Games itself, this second entry to the series, you know, this thing might actually prove you know an interesting series as opposed to just what the first one you know mm-hmm. really was, which was just a battle royale ripoff. 
Yeah, well, and and the books are like that, you know, like like, like I've read the books and they're solid enough. Um, I read them with my little sister who was reading them at the time for school, and like we both really enjoyed them. Uh, Marsha just finished the second one; she enjoyed it. Um, and the movie is actually like a really very faithful adaptation of the first book. So I think I think the Hunger Games is fine. Like I'm not down on it. I'm just yeah, saying, don't like see more Hoffman. Yeah, I'm just saying that as far as, like, big news coming out of Comic-Con, like, we were going to get fucking news about the Hunger Games, whether Comic-Con happened or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but like, really Marvel and DC saved their big announcements for for San Diego. And the big announcement, it wasn't even really an announcement. It was more of, like, a public unveiling of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like everybody kind of heard about it. We knew that it was weird. Um, you know, if you're more popular fan, not a like hardline mid eighties comic book kid, that's all like, yeah, this weird ass, uh, series about fucking raccoons and trees saving the universe. Um, you know, it, it's a weird concept to wrap your head around, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was incredibly well received. Uh, at Comic Con, to the point that it was the main story of like of the Comic Con feature in USA Today on Monday, uh, which you know, as shitty a paper as that is, a lot of people read it. It's big to make the main story for the entertainment section of that paper, right? Um, and and for it to be this weird, slightly esoteric, off the wall comic book. Uh, that features a talking raccoon. Uh, like, that's pretty impressive. You know, for James Gunn to be helming a movie that's getting this much attention is also pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, you know, I love that guy. He's amazing. Uh, I, I met him uh, after the premiere of Super in Toronto, and I walked up to him, and I was like, hey, James, I just want to let you know I've been following your work since Tromeo and Juliet. Like I even saw the Scooby Doo movies because you wrote them, and uh, for which he apologized. Um, to, <laughs> Bro, like, I needed that. I had seen so them, bad. not not from writing them, because I'm sure he got paid very well for them. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but you know, uh, super nice guy, and uh, like one of the most open, honest people you'll ever meet in your life. And um, it. It couldn't have happened to a better guy, like, to get this gig, because he really is, like, I think if there's a person weird enough in the filmmaking world to pull off a movie like this on a very large budget that's just weird and bizarre and out there, it might be James Gunn. Yeah, take a look at James Gunn's flicks, and you just, you you know right there, it's like, okay, this guy can do some weird shit, so... uh it's good to go. But, you know, I think at the same time, like, one of the things is, is like, obviously, I think fans are very much behind him because he's kind of been a, uh, you know, kind of a cult, you know, hero for a lot of people. He's done some really good stuff. And uh, but I think I, I, I would like I would hope that a lot of this is also coming from people going, you know what? Somebody is taking a fucking chance. They're going outside of the box. They're doing some shit that is really weird. Really, mm-hmm. you know, they're, Marvel has taken a chance. Now, the whole first wave of Marvel, I mean, you, we can argue whether or not, you know, Iron Man and Thor were, you know, gambles or not, or even all of them, really, in, in some sort of way, because, you know, the main public doesn't know about them and all that kind of shit or whatever. Right. But, um, so you, you can kind of argue that. But more or less, that was all, like, all of that first wave, you just, you looked at that and you go, that's what that is. It's going to be, it's going to be successful. There's not a lot of risk taking there. 
Mm-hmm. It is it is you know these you know four large characters and they're getting together they're doing their shit. This is like you you could you know I'm guessing one percent or less of the population of this fucking country knows what the fuck any of this is. Oh, so yeah. the fact that they're taking a gamble on this, people have heard about it, and not only have they heard about it, they they've gone you know that sounds fucking crazy cool. Let's 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 watch this, and I think that is. A fantastic sign because I guarantee you, the majority of people that were in my guess would be Hall H for this particular uh, unveiling. I guarantee you, most of those motherfuckers never read a Guardian oh. of the Galaxy book in their entire life. No, so I and, think that bodes well. And this is, I mean, this is really like Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those books that for Marvel seems almost out of place. Like it's one of those. It does big seem very DC universe. Yeah. Like DC has that like hardline sci-fi edge to it where it's just like giant galaxy. Uh, this is what's going on. And part of that is like the entry point for the DC universe is already this guy who lives on earth from another planet. So of course the universe is already exponentially huge at the very beginning of it. But like Marvel was always and still is this very like earthbound mythos. Um, and, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is their their franchise, probably the only one, really, that goes, like, way out of bounds uh, into the deep, dark reaches of the universe, um, where DC has a little more leeway, usually, with getting books to do that, almost to the point of being annoyingly large. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where this movie goes, and I just thought it was really cool and fascinating that this movie was getting as much love from the general public as possible, um, and, and as it was uh, at Comic-Con. So, Very cool. And, uh, okay, so to wrap up our little news section here, we do have a, uh, a quick little uh, a sad bit of news to, uh, to impart to everybody. Uh, of course, you've heard uh, probably what, about a day or about a day ago now that uh, Dennis Farina died at the age of sixty nine, and uh, mm-hmm. you you may not know the man's name, but you sure enough know the man's work. And uh, but I, I guess pr- probably the majority of people I would say know him from like you know like say Snatch or something. Snatch or Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Yeah, I forgot about Get Shorty. Exactly. Uh, Or, you know, the people who don't watch those, they definitely know him as the the detective uh, that uh, replaced uh, Orbach's character on Law & Order um, for like three or four seasons. Um, And he did a great job doing that. I mean, it's a thankless job. You have to replace, replace one of the most beloved TV characters of all time in Jerry Orbach's, uh, like, detective on that series, but you know, Farina comes in and he does an ace job right off the bat, right yeah. out of the gate. Um, yeah, what a classy motherfucker, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's just like, you know, he was like a former Chicago cop who was like brought in to like, you know, be a uh, like consultant on a flick and the director liked him so much, he's like, fuck it, you're, you're, you're going to be in this movie. And oh, just yeah. became an actor off of that. Like, that's like, that is an awesome story. Yes. So, but. Yeah, I mean, Farina was, uh, he was an actor's actor, you know, uh, he, he may not have been known by the public, but he's one of those guys that, like, other actors respected and liked working with. Um, and that, I think, is more important uh, than most people in, in the uh, acting realm these days, you know, like, he was well-respected by people who were really, 
uh, either, if, if not his equals uh, in the craft, they were definitely more popular than he was. Right. Um, and and I think that speaks volumes about the kind of guy he was. All right. Well, yeah, definitely uh, Dennis Freeman uh, died at 69 uh, will be missed. All right, everybody, we are going to take a quick break here, and then we are going to jump into our review of this week. We are going to be talking about The Conjuring. Stay tuned. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping Tom. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Ah. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Ah. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Just right now, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Oh, hi there. It's Adam from the Film Fine Podcast. Now, I'm sure right now you're enjoying this fine podcast and a candlelit bath along with a nice Chardonnay. And why not? You deserve it. But let's face it, life can't always be this relaxing. Sometimes you need to just take two minutes out and help a friend. In this case, a podcast. That's right. Here at the Film Find, we need your iTunes review. A review on iTunes helps our podcast reach more people just like you who love thoughtful movie discussions. So after you've washed all that chamomile out of your hair, head on down to thefilmfind.com and subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. jump into our new review of this week here is the trailer for the conjuring all right it's 9 18 we're headed down into the cellar where the doors just opened on its own give us a sign that you want to communicate with us nothing <laughs> what are you guys 
Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. It's November 1st, 1971. I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. That's not going to help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Uh, we never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. Okay, everybody, that was a trailer for The Conjuring, the new film directed by James Wan. Uh, James Wan, of course, brought you uh, – he, he was the, the guy around uh, behind the original Saw movie, um, yep. which which I still maintain is a, is a great film uh, no matter what anybody else says. Um, actually, I, I think all of the Saw movies except for five and seven were all pretty good, but that's – that is a personal pain that not a ton of people share with me, but, you know. Yeah, I get increasingly bored by those movies, uh, like, just as it keeps going. It's like, how much more retconning and convoluting, uh, like, bullshit can we throw into this plot? Um, and it does a lot of that. I appreciate what they are. Yeah, so it was directed by J- uh, James Wan, uh, written by uh, Chad Hayes and Carrie Hayes, who... Really haven't done a whole lot of fantastic things. The only thing that I, excuse me, good lord, the only thing that I enjoyed that they really did was uh, House of Wax, the uh, House of Wax remake, which was like one of those things that was surprisingly good, way better than it probably ever had any uh, supposed chance of being. And uh, a 2007 and 2009 film that uh, most people didn't like. I, I, I never saw either of them, but uh, they wrote uh, The Reaping and uh, Whiteout. Mm. So no one really saw those films, and the people that did said they kind of sucked. So whatever, but uh, yeah. So this is uh, this is their. I think this is their first real success for those guys. Um, but yeah, so let's get into a little bit of the plot. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, those are based on real people, by the way, work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. Forced to comfort a, forced to confront rather a powerful entity, the Warrens find themselves caught in the most terrifying case of their lives. Now, supposedly, this movie is based upon true events. Now, the uh, uh, Lorraine and Ed Warren uh, were actual people. Whether or not these particular things happened to them is uh, up for discussion. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, we've got to say who the stars in this film. We got Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, Lily Taylor, Ron Livingston, and a hostful uh, fine little actresses. Little the the little girls that are all in the family are uh, quite good. Yeah, they're good. But um, uh, let's let's start here. Yeah, basically it's. It's about this family. They they move into this brand new house and everything. They're setting all this stuff up and find out more or less that the house may be haunted or there's a haunting of some sort. But that is, that's actually not where the film starts off. The film actually starts off as a as a secondary bit and one of the scariest little kind of openings. Now, now let's let's start here. Let's let's go into our general thoughts of it before we get kind of into plot stuff. Matt, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I loved it. <laughs> uh, to to put it, I I uh, I I just I, so I did a full on review of this uh, on the split screen, which people can check out uh, splitscreen.wordpress.com. Um, but uh, this uh, this movie is a top tier uh, American horror film. Uh, it's really well constructed. It's very classical in its uh, approach to things. And James Wan, I think, has finally... I, I saw the nuggets of it in Insidious. I know you didn't like that film, but I, I actually really dug it. What's that? Bored to tears from Insidious. It was just no, um, no thanks. But but I, I saw the nuggets of greatness in that film that he, they really pay off here. Uh, like, with that film, he really, I think, worked out how to make a haunted house picture. And here he makes one of the best haunted house pictures I think has ever been made. Um, I, I completely agree. I mean, the most 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 haunted house movies, most scary movies for that matter, don't really tend to do a whole heck of a lot with me. But I will say that this is one of the few films in several years that I have watched and I was genuinely, you know... Uh, you know, kind of frightened about it. And like I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't really know where things were going to be going. Um, it, it was, it was just, it was, it was so much of a blast to watch. And I mean, I think that this is such a masterful job done on all fronts from writing mm-hmm. to directing to, you know, uh, acting, cinematography, everything about this movie, I think is of the, utmost top-notch layer of of filmmaking and i am so like the fact that the conjuring was number one at the box office this week gives me a slight yet you know ever so slight uh glimmer of hope for uh the movie going public that we're willing to go out and make a horror movie in the middle of summer uh be the number one movie and that horror movie is not based on a franchise or anything else that people know it was just based upon this trailer and I'm so glad that uh, a lot of people got out to actually see this movie mm-hmm. and experience something like a, an actual good fucking horror movie for once. And I'm, I'm really stoked about that. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing, actually, that it, that it's done as well as it has. I mean, it was originally tracking, I think, a little low. But as it got closer and closer, uh, I think Universal realized that they had a hit on their hands that was maybe going to be bigger than The Purge was. Um and I hope it is better than than the purge was because it definitely deserves it. Um, yeah, man, the performances in this film are just stellar. Like, uh, like, like I, I I like everyone. Everybody's good. Vera Farmiga gives one of the best performances she's ever given. 
And that's and that's um, saying a lot because she's pretty much awesome in just about everything she's in. So. Yeah, she's she's a terrific actress, but like she really becomes Lorraine Warren in this film. I mean, like th- there are scenes where just her her labored, uh, scared breathing um, when she initially walks into the house, like like. You don't know that she's seeing things, but maybe she is. Uh, because uh, for those of you who don't know, L- L- the real Lorraine Warren and in this movie, uh, they claim she claims that she's a clairvoyant. Um, so there, there's a point where she says she's seeing some things, um, and this is before you see a single thing. But just her playing that and then seeing her see things later by them not even changing what she looks like or anything, just literally reusing the same footage of her mm-hmm. uh, works on both levels. Like you don't really know that that's what's going on the first time. And then the second time it shows that you're just like, my God, she was acting the hell out of this. And she, she's terrific, man. Um, and, and I liked the little flourishes of, I liked, I liked that the Warrens were in this movie. That's what I liked about it. Um, I feel like the investigators tend to be kind of an afterthought in some of these movies. It's always focused on the family who's being like, uh, haunted. (laughs) Um, right. And that was what was great about this is that it seemed that they almost gave equal time to each one. Yeah. And like, you really, you felt, you felt invest invested in both the family that was being, you know, uh, uh, just, just absolutely just run ragged and yet at the exact same time you felt for the investigators which like really think about it you know any other movie you don't give a shit about the investigators for the most part you you just yeah. don't care yeah they show up and they do whatever i mean you know these so the warrens they were involved in some of the bigger paranormal cases that we know about in the united states right they they were involved in the amityville case they were involved in the case in Connecticut that was based that that movie Haunting in Connecticut was based on, um, and and a lot of other like major things they were involved in, and uh, all the stuff like it, like the film begins with that little prologue bit, um, or immediately after the cold open sequence, uh, it it begins with that prologue about how uh, Ed was a demonologist and Lorraine was a clairvoyant, and you know Lorraine Warren's still alive, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but they were the only like non-clergy demonology team recognized by the Catholic Church. All of that's true, by the way. Right. Like that's that stuff's not made up. And to see them get as much attention in this film as they're getting, when really uh, that hasn't happened. Like the Warrens don't show up in the Amityville Horror as as like actual characters, right? I mean, there's there's like a cipher character that shows up and tells the Lutz family what's going on, but it's not the Warrens, and they're. Regardless of where you stand on the, like, is is there a such thing as ghosts or not, uh, like, spectrum of belief, um, they're still fascinating figures, the Warrens. Absolutely. Um, uh, like, these people who devoted their entire life to this. I mean, you can go to Lorraine Warren's house where she has that, like, museum that they show. That's, that's a real thing uh, that is in her house, and you can go there and see stuff. Uh, which is just fucking bizarre <laughs> like that, that that exists, right? Like these supposedly occult artifacts are just in this woman's house in like small town America. 
Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of the film a lot. And uh, there are some other things the movie does incredibly well, like building up suspense and relying on atmosphere and not really showing you shit until it pays to show you stuff. Um, I mean, I think I think that so spoiler right now only like this this exact moment spoiler. Uh, go ahead about 15 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, go ahead about 20 seconds. Um the moment when the girls see the woman on the fucking wardrobe and the camera like just move it fucking just pans up. It's like, you know, it gives that tilt. Mm-hmm. You're just like, "Oh my god, what the hell is that?" But like that moment which would just be like blah in any other movie is handled incredibly well because there's this back and forth, this buildup of tension between the shots of the girls and you're not sure what one of them is seeing and then it looks back and you don't see anything. You just see, like, the wardrobe and the girl standing in front of it and then, like, she turns around and you see her face and then, boom. Like, there's a real sense of buildup and pacing to this film that is not there in... I'd say 99% of American horror films, specifically the supernatural tinge ones. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, this movie takes place uh, and like uh, the majority of it in, in 1971. And there really is that kind of old school style to this while, while still being new and fresh um, that it, it takes a lot of, a lot of those kind of cues from those older movies. It's like, we're not going to show you a whole lot. We're going to be building up this tension and, you know, there's, there's clearly CGI in this film, but like, it's not so overtly, you know, in your face, there aren't, you know, like ridiculous amounts of, you know, overcutting or anything and the suspense that they have. So there's suspense is built up so much. So when that these scares that happen do happen, they've completely fucking earned them. And there, yeah. you know, some of them are slight jump scares, but they're jump scares that work far more than just cheap bullshit jump scares. Yeah, it's because they're payoff from all of the atmosphere and buildup that just happened, uh, as opposed to like, yeah, you know, somebody walking through and then boom, a cat jumps. Yeah, exactly. The, the the big giant cat. I mean, like, it's always the big trope is the cat just rah, right out of nowhere. Well. You know, th- this is a film that, you know, here's your scary moment, and we're going to build it and build it and build it and build it. And you fucking know something's coming, but we're going to build it some more and build it some more. It happens, and it still scares you. I mean, like, that's when th- it's just ratcheting that tension up to such a level and then releasing that jack-in-the-box right in front of your face and scaring mm-hmm. the hell out of you. And I, I, it, it was done, like I said, this is a this is a masterfully uh, executed film, and I... I, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm going. I'm definitely going to be, you know, telling everyone to go see this flick. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go and see it again. Actually, like, like here's the other thing. I saw this movie, and the house was. It was like very early in the morning. It was like 11:30 that I went uh, on Saturday, and or on Friday, I mean. So opening day, very early. And it was still pretty packed in that auditorium, and the audience loved it. They just ate it up, and it was a lot of fun to see with an audience, you know, um, because you get those moments of like just that abject terror that's permeating from person to person to person throughout that room. Um, and you know, and it was just like I, I love hearing for the uh, just listening for the like the chuckles and everything because. 
whether or not anyone knows it, like that is a self defense against being scared mm-hmm. is is laughing. Yeah, and and it and it happens. But you know what happened? Uh, oddly enough, I didn't get a lot of that in this. I got a lot of screams, like just fucking blood curdling teenage girl screams at this movie, which is also something that uh, you don't hear a lot of, honestly, um, out of uh, horror movies these days. Absolutely. Now let's let's talk about a little bit of uh, kind of the structure of this thing. It starts out as a uh, you know it starts out in like 1961, and we see these uh, these girls and uh, weirdly one strange dude. I don't know where they never really mention where that guy kind of came from or what his deal was, but uh, they're they're talking to who we eventually find out are, are the Warrens about this. Uh, essentially a doll haunting <laughs> their house and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we all laugh at like child's play because it is a ridiculously, you know, quirky, silly movie. And they're doing another one for crying out loud, uh, direct to DVD. And, um, boom. anyways, uh, so we all know that kind of trope of the, you know, haunted doll and everything, but I, I don't know this, it fucking, it worked. And it's a lot of like a lot of misdirection, a lot of like little you know audio cues. I saw another thing about this movie that's fantastic is the audio in it is just so damn good. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of kind of like oh, there's a knock over here. What's over there? Here's like a little you know a little sign that says like I miss you. But they like they invited this demon into their house essentially and to live inside of this little doll. And then the doll just decides to go crazy. Um, and then we find out, you know, then we, we find out that it's actually be a, a film that was, uh, you know, shot and everything. And it's being shown to a, a giant university class or whatever. And we get introduced to the Warrens and they are the, um, uh, paranormal investigators. So we go with that track and then we get over to this family who's moving into this brand new house and things start happening in the house. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to give away too much that happens because like part of the fun of this is, is like it, it is I don't want to say it's a slow burn per se, but it's it's a slight slow burn. There's a lot of like there's a lot of great build up that you know starts slow, hints at things. Everything, oh shit, everything is established very very well, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it it does the thing that so many horror films forget to do, which is make you care about the people that are about to be victimized. That is a big shortcoming in a lot of horror films is that we go, oh, well, let's just get into the scary. Let's just get into, you know, what kind of crazy wild shit that we can, you know, conjure up, uh, no pun intended. Um, but this film actually takes the time and says, okay, you're going to get to know who this family is. You're going get to get to know, you know, what what makes this family tick, the, the games that they play, who's in the who's in the family and how they interact with each other and whatnot. And so by the time that you're ready for these, you know, that it's time to send these people through hell, you feel fucking terrible for them. And yeah. I, I think it's it's a great job. And it's, uh, I think, really interesting and, and kind of inspired casting to do um, Ron Livingston and Lily Taylor in this. Two people who are, you know, kind of more or less known as, uh, you know, supporting characters for most part. I mean, they've both done some fairly decent sized things, but you know, mm-hmm. you, you, Ron Livingston is not starring in a shitload of movies and n- right. nor Lily Taylor, but both, you know, great actors in their own rights. But I think it made them uh, choosing them 
as as the husband and wife team for this really grounded this family in reality because mm-hmm. these two people look like people they don't yeah. look like hollywood movie stars or anything they look like you know it's it's not you know it's not like uh, fucking whoever you know kim basinger and you know alec baldwin or whatever you see these gorgeous looking people and you're like well fucking whatever you see these normal looking people so it brings it down to a level and the girls are all cast and they all while you know all cute kids they look like every other little girl. Yeah. So it makes you, you know, really sympathize with this family when they have to deal with, you know, this, uh, uh, entity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right on. Uh, yeah, this is a movie that I think is extremely sensitive to its cast of characters, uh, which is what makes it work by and large. And when it gets to the creepy, uh, like payoffs, that's that's what you have in your mind is how much you identify with the people on the screen. Um, yeah, I I don't really know how, know like what else to say about it. I can't like I don't want to spoil it because I want people to go and see it because it's like like there's an extended trailer that uh, Adam played just a minute ago. Like don't watch it. Yeah, don't fucking watch audio, it. Audio in audio form it doesn't reveal that much because it's just it's a lot of boom 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 and all that kind of jazz. Right, but. Don't watch it because it, no, don't watch. Just go see the movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's all I need to like say. Like this gets one of the highest endorsements of anything I can tell people. Particularly if you're a fan of uh, of the horror genre, uh, this is really good horror. Um, I love the. And way you don't get to say that very often. Yeah, I love the way it's shot. There's so many like they start with you know this great long tracking shot. That you know ends up from the outside of the house goes all the way through the inside of the house. So you mm-hmm. can kind of get like you know your bearing as to where everything kind of is, can and we, ends up outside. Go ahead. Okay, uh, along those along those same lines, uh, you know the most amazing little like like let's change things up a little bit moment in this movie is when uh, the Warrens initially get to the house and start investigating, and all that noise is coming from the basement. So they like get there like sound equipment and the guy's tape like shooting on like his uh like 16 millimeter camera and they follow them in the basement and the sound is only coming from his mic and it totally works because you're seeing the footage that that was shot on the 16 mil camera and it comes back out and like just seamlessly after they're out of the basement flips back to not that camera's view and and it's so not jarring that it's no it's man it's fantastic yeah uh, stylistically, like that's one of my favorite little flourishes in this movie. Um, yeah, like like it's very very well shot, amazing camera work. Yeah, so many great different camera moves and stuff that are like they're like they're just flashy enough to be super fucking interesting, but don't like slap you in the face and just go mm-hmm. look at this fucking shot, you crazy! Look at it, just look. Right. It doesn't do that, but it's but you at the same time will just go like, oh, that was a fucking cool ass shot. It's a really interesting way to show how things are done, the implying of things that are there, you know, with the kids and, and you know how things fall off into blackness, and you know at one point the girls like. He's standing right over there. It's it's like he's behind but, the door. He's seeing like, and you don't see anything, and you're like, no, it's because it's pitch something? black. But you know, like it just keeps holding on that on that shot, and like it, it starts to. What's nice is like that shot goes on for like a couple of minutes, like just from where the girls like POV mm-hmm. into that corner, and like eventually the camera starts like slowly zooming in, like just ever so slowly. And you still don't see anything, 
Uh, and you're looking, you're looking yeah, hard as oh, shit, man. going, makes, "What's in there?" You know like, something's gonna. You see it, and you think something's gonna just fucking stand out at you all of a sudden, or jump out, or there's gonna be something there, and it's just that like build up and build up and build up and build up, and it's totally amazing, uh, like camera work and and filmmaking technique. Yeah, and I I love the uh, real early on the nice you know seventies zoom shot that you just mm-hmm. that nowhere you just don't see that in Hollywood anymore. And I thought that was yeah. a great homage to you know the seventies films where it was just like, oh, we got these fucking zoom lens. We you know we getting first getting out of the world of prime lenses and stuff, so we can actually right. zoom into these crazy shots that like that kind of it looks awful when you do it, but it is also kind of a very seventies sort of thing to do. And I really dug that. That uh-huh. you know that kind of that kind of attention to detail, and uh, the music that they use in this entire movie is great. Both the actual score itself and the uh, and needle drops in it as well. Um, you know, like I said, I, there's I don't know that there's hardly a thing in this movie that I can consider you know like bad in any way. <laughs> I would I, yeah. I, I tried to think about it and pick something apart that I'm like, what did I, I not really like about it? And I I don't know that I could maybe. Maybe towards the end, just a little bit of, I think Ron Livingston probably could have had a candle up his ass a little bit more and just kind of go, just bring his acting up just a notch. But I, I, I see where they were going with it, but mm, yeah, that's only, that's a, such a small fucking nitpick that it's not even. Yeah. It's not even really. a thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, like, as far as I'm concerned, uh, this is a total like spend your fucking money on it. Uh, go and see it. Yeah, now let's um, we let's we won't talk about it, but uh, what, what do you not uh, not not in you know in in detail we're terms? Talk around it. We'll, we'll talk around the the ending. Were, were, were you satisfied with the ending and how like the climatic events unfolded? I, so I so I gave this movie on in my review four and a half stars out of five, um, and the half star is because I feel like the end. Like, there are things that I really like about it and things that are just a little too familiar. It's not that they're not good or well done. It's just I wanted, like, a little something extra um, right. during during the exorcism. I, mean, I, I don't think that's even, like, a like a non-uncommon knowledge thing. Like, I think people know this movie, uh, like, builds up to there's an exorcism. Gonna, there's going to be a demon somewhere and somebody's yeah. going to get something. Um. And I just felt like some of that was a little too familiar uh, from shot to shot, beat for beat. Um, But overall, like, it didn't pull me out of the movie. I mean, by that point, you're so invested in what's going on that, honestly, like, they could shot for shot do the exorcism of Reagan uh, from The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. and I would be invested at that point. Um, and and they don't do that. I mean, there are some nice things about it, and they're like it's a variation on things we've seen before. But it, some of it is just there's areas in like well, I'll just say environmental things that kind of yeah. you know where they are um, that that happen that are that I didn't see anything like that even coming close to happening. But uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I was overall pleased with everything. I think. And and maybe this is kind of the the point, I suppose. But the you know once, the, I think the ending kind of came in a in a snap, as it were. It just mm-hmm. kind of was just like here, here we go. Okay, we're over, and that was it. But like I said, overall, it's that that doesn't even come close to to um 
marring this film in any way, shape, or form. I, I think if you are if you're hungry for a good horror film, and let's be honest, it's been a long time I think since we've really had something that's you know an original IP come out and you know really do something great with it. And I don't hundred percent know how I feel about them doing a sequel to this, which they've already kind of set well, up. Well, I I think that if they do the sequel, it's probably you know it's probably not going to be the same like house and shit. Because yeah. you know the. The the movie was originally titled The Warren Files. And so I think what they're probably going to do is exactly what they did here, and they're going to go and plumb the depths of the Warren's casebook for something that's a little less well-known than the Amityville case, like they did. And, uh, like, we'll get another movie with, uh, like, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. And, uh, like, that's not a bad thing. No, I was about to say, I, I think that would, I would totally be on board with that and, like, you know, watch these two and then, you know, have them be, you know, our kind of, you know, I don't want to say modern day per se, but you know, our ghost hunter type people. And, and these are people that, you know, you know, for whatever, you know, you believe or don't believe fucking did that shit. So. Yeah. It's like, like, like whether or not you believe it, like these people did this for their entire lives and definitely like have some stories that are interesting, regardless of whether or not they're true. I mean, they, like, I don't, I don't fucking believe the Amityville ha- haunting for a second, but like that story fascinates me, right? Like, like the construction of it, mm-hmm. I find to to be like really interesting, and like the mythology that was put into it, like, like I'm I'm all about it. I don't believe that Amityville was a haunting, but uh, you know, there is something to be said for people who devoted their lives to this stuff, and. Um, end up with a body of work that's intriguing in ways that a lot of people's lives, honestly, like just don't fucking add up to. Okay. And okay. So wrapping that up, how long before we see them rebooted Hansel and Gretel? (laughs) We have the two of them and they come in with uh, 2018, 2018. You've heard it here, folks. 2018, 2018. We're going to get the Warrens with uh, the, uh, all fucking steampunked out. Yep. And, uh, crossbows with fucking holy water exploding darts and shit. And, uh, like they're just gonna, uh, fucking exercise your demons, man. That'll be the fucking tagline. The Warrens, they'll exercise your demons. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, that'll, and then in, like the trailer will end with like them cocking fucking triggers and like aiming them at the camera. And let's then, do this the title. Yeah. 2018. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is our review of The Conjuring, directed by James Wan. It came out this weekend and was number one at the box office. Uh, I think this thing's going to do well. I think it's going to get a good word of mouth. I think the drop-off for this is not going to be near as high as uh, had been previous for, for most other type films. It's not going to be as big as Grown Ups 2. Jesus Christ. Woo, talk about that- falling off the map. It started out sixty some million last week. This week it made twenty something. We need to look at that. We need to look and see. And uh, is that is that a record it's coming up for in drops? the news? I don't think so, but it's coming up in news. I'll talk about it. Okay, very good. Give us something to listen to. All right. Uh, so that is two very glowing reviews for us for uh, the Conjuring. Go check that out right now. The Conjuring is in theaters. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about uh, what we might talk about next week and wrap up the show, and that'll be it. And uh, so uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. In the time
right, everybody, that is it for this week's show. Quick show, but uh, a good one. And, you know, like I said before, we I don't think that we can uh, recommend The Conjuring enough for you guys that, uh, you know, we don't really want to spoil anything at all. So uh, please do go out and watch that. As far as next week, uh, you know, there's a big movie coming out. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Wolverine. Wolverine? The Wolverine. Wolverine. But, um... I got to say, after uh, X-Men Wolverine Origins, um, oof, I did not have a lot of high hopes for this film. But uh, word on the street, and I won't believe it until I see it with my own two eyes, but word on the street is the Wolverine is not that bad. I've heard some things saying it might actually be considered to be a good film. So, fingers well, crossed you know, on has, that one. It, it has uh, James Mangold behind the camera, uh, who is a really solid film director and knows how to handle a lot of different genres really well. Uh, you know, James Van Gogh directed Identity, Walk the Line, um, 310 to Yuma, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Fairly all, all different, very different films. So, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, we'll be talking about the Wolverine, uh, next week and, uh, possibly something else, but, uh, Oh, I want to get to it just before we get out of here. I should have teased this earlier. We have a new review on iTunes. And uh, just remember, if you guys want to do that, you can go to thefilmfind.com there. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do subscribe to us on iTunes, please, for heaven's sake, or if you don't subscribe to us on iTunes, do whatever you want to do. But please go give us a review on iTunes. Uh, here is our latest one. Oh, my gosh. Let me get my glasses on here. Our print is so damn small. All right, this one is from, uh, and guess what? Guess what, kids? This is a winner. This one's a winner because we're, we're going to send them something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, we're going to send them something. And uh, it's from uh, Steve08. I, I don't know. I, I, it's tough to name things with letters and numbers and all that shit. <laughs> My guess is the guy's name Steve. Actually, I know it. But uh, he says uh, it's five stars. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh thought and subject matter uh these guys really know movies and i appreciate that the audio quality is out is noteworthy as well so uh that is another great five star review for us on uh itunes and we suggest that you go do that the same steve we're gonna uh give uh, send us your email and uh at the film find at gmail.com and we'll uh we'll send you out some sort of prize or something we'll uh we'll, we'll pick from our vast collection of uh cool stuff and send you out something but uh, if you want to do that as well, just go to thefilmfind.com. There you'll find the links to do everything on our website uh, for our Facebook page, the Twitter. Uh, you name it, we got it there. And um, stay subscribed. We got the uh, the Film Find news coming up. And hopefully, uh, since I'm going to be uh, here at the uh, new office now and everything, I'm going to be doing a Film Find 5 a little bit more regularly as well as uh, some video stuff coming up. So stay tuned for that. But uh, in order to stay tuned for that, just go to, you know, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on uh, Facebook and all that jazz. So uh, that is it. All right, everybody, uh, that will do it for today's show. Uh, please, uh, please listen to us next time when we review the Wolverine. All right. And uh, so for Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. We'll see you later, guys.
sugar bro jacking on that sugar just like at the frat house <laughs> I know what that means. oh it could be something completely innocent it could be something totally disgusting yeah jacking on that sugar yo uh just a plethora of blu-rays two seconds this dog buddy <laughs> you can't chew on a bone for the podcast it's too fucking loud <laughs> Drive me bonkers. I know you want to get out, but that's not going to happen. You'll get it back after the semester. All I can hear is him chomping on it. Yeah, I heard it too. Oh my god. Click, click, click. I'm like, maybe he'll stop. No. Adam Wehmer just put, uh, just tweeted, at this point, I can only assume that Carlos Danger is the royal baby name. <laughs> Hashtag didn't Google it. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you heard about Carlos Danger? This I... is the brand new thing. No, Anthony Weiner apparently had a sexting name <laughs> during and after the last sex scandal. You fucking idiot. If you should have burned every phone Carlos, you had. Carlos Danger. My name is Carlos Danger. <laughs> You've killed my brother. <laughs> uh, to die. Carlos Danger. What? Oh, my Lord. Yep. You know, dude, seriously, you, you know, do whatever you want. I, I, you know, I honestly don't care what anybody does in their own private life, but it's like, dude, if <laughs> this is a just fucking thing, don't do it afterwards, you fucking moron. <laughs> Pat Oswalt just tweeted, right now Samuel L. Jackson is in Anthony Weiner's apartment telling Carlos Danger about the Avengers initiative. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a fun few days, I think. All right. (laughs) I kind of hope he gets mayor now. I mean, who knows? Wasn't he running for mayor or was it city council? I think it was mayoral, yeah. Yeah, he should totally still run. I'd vote for fucking Carlos Danger. <laughs> he just drops the whole fucking he's just like, look, sexting superhero. For crying out loud, the wiener thing wasn't working for nobody anyways. Let's just change it. Now, this is going against all convention, but let's change it from that and go to Carlos Danger. And everybody in his team looks at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Trust me on this one. We got this. <laughs> Carlos Danger. Then, like, cut to, like, six weeks later, Carlos Danger wins in a landslide. The the first headline that I read about this whole thing was from Vanity Fair. It was like, <laughs> it just said, Anthony Weiner says, quote, sexting scandal is behind him, end quote, and in front of him, and to the left of him, and behind him, <laughs> and under him, and on top of him. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> it is. So.